It's the Red Bible, page 838. I think it's fair to say that we all have learned some valuable lessons from our mothers. And in thinking about that this week, preparation for Mother's Day, I came across a collection of people who shared the lessons that they had learned and had been taught by their mothers. My mother, one person said, my mother taught me the value of a clean home when she told my brothers and me, if you're going to hurt each other, do it outside. Another said, my mother taught me the value of passionate prayer when she said, you better pray that that stain comes out of the carpet. (laughs) Still another said, my mother taught me about consequences when she warned, you keep crying and I'm going to give you something to cry about. And my favorite, my mother taught me that love has boundaries when she said, When that lawnmower cuts your toes off, don't come running to me. (laughs) And lastly, my mother taught me about perseverance when she said, you'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. We've learned a lot from our mothers, haven't we? Today we're going to learn another message about mothers or from mothers. And that's about the most important relationship that there should be in a mother's life. And of course, that's her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I hope this morning that every mother would have that as their aim and as their goal. Is that being a mother, you couldn't get anything more important than your relationship with the Lord Jesus. In fact, I want to call it you being a Jesus mother today. In our text, a Jesus mother is defined by her relationship with the Lord. It's not a physical one. Because we know Mary is in our text. His mother comes with his brothers and his siblings. And uh, certainly there is only one Mary in the life of Jesus, and that's his physical mom. But according to Jesus this morning, there are lots of spiritual moms that he has. And I want to talk about those this morning, and in doing so, ask you the question, are you a spiritual mom? Mark 3, if you're there in the text, has two family scenarios almost back-to-back. The first one I want to draw your attention to before we get exactly to our text is in Mark chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. Then he went home, this is Nazareth, and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. I mean, they are so busy helping people and teaching and Jesus performing miraculous things that they don't have time to sit down and have a meal. And it says when his family heard it, verse 21, they went out to seize him, for they were saying... He is out of his mind. His family hears about the crazy schedule Jesus is keeping and all the things that he's saying and he's doing. And the Bible says, and he uses very specific, very strong words, they come to seize him. They come to seize him. And the reason is, is because people are beginning to say that Jesus is out of his mind. The word seize almost always in the Gospel of Mark talks about Jesus being arrested. The idea of seizing him is taking him by force, and for the Roman soldiers, it was in chains. I mean, his family coming, and they want to take possession of him. They want to rule over him, and in one way, they're arresting him. 
See, out of his mind, that's what they say, he is, and it's translated madness, insane, perhaps from the stress that they think he has, from all the schedule he's keeping, he's not eating right, he's not sleeping right, people are saying all kinds of things about him. I mean, even his family begins to wonder, is Jesus okay? Today we'd say in 21st century vernacular, Jesus, you're losing it. I mean, Jesus, um, you need for someone to take control of you for a little bit. Someone needs to talk some sense into you. That sounds like a mother, right? Set you straight, in other words. So they come forcibly, and they want to take charge of him. They want to take authority over him. They want to say, Jesus, for your own good, you need to listen to us. Now, that doesn't make sense to most of us unless you live in a shame and honor culture like Jesus' family did. You have to understand that family was everything in first century Palestine, I mean, and you didn't by no, you never wanted to hurt your family reputation. And so Jesus, uh, his loyalty to his family should have been the most important thing in his life. But he's beginning to waver, it seems, on that, or so they think. And he's on the verge of making his own family look bad in public by what he's doing and some of the things that he's saying. He's in danger of breaching the most prized social protocol of all, and that's how children relate to their family. So even the scribes, we don't have time this morning to read chapter 3, verses 22 through 30, but right after his mom and his siblings come to get him and seize him because he's losing it, the religious leaders prove that they don't understand him either, and they begin to say, you know, all the powerful things that you're doing, you do them by the power of Satan, And they blaspheme Jesus. See, they don't get it because they really don't understand Jesus. And they find out they really can't control him either. And then we come to our text. See, those two stories, the family story, the religious leader story, they don't get Jesus. And so they try to take charge of Jesus. And then we hear in verse 31 these words. It says, And his mother and his brothers came, standing outside, They sent to him and called him. And again, twice in this text, the Bible says that his family, his mother, most prominent, is outside. Jesus is inside. He's teaching somewhere. And they're standing outside, his mothers and his brothers. Now, again, there's another group of people. His family, get the geography here a little bit. His parents are outside and they're calling for Jesus. And they're standing out there, but sitting now twice, two times it says his family are outside. But there's another group, unnamed, who are twice, it says, in verse 32 and 34, sitting inside. And there's a contrast, and Mark is making it, and he wants us to get it. There's a group that is his family, biologic, biological family, including his mom. See, she's outside, and she's trying to talk to him. But there's another group, not standing, but sitting. Not outside, but inside. Not calling him, but he's teaching them. See, there's a huge contrast, can I say it, between these two types of mothers. There's his mom, Mary, outside, but who he calls his other mothers, his spiritual mothers, On the inside. You see, in chapter 4, if we read the text a little further, remember there's no chapter and verse divisions in the original text. A little later, Jesus says in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 4, he says that the people who are not his disciples, they're called this, they're outsiders. 
And they don't get direct teaching from him about the kingdom. He says outsiders, they only get it in parables. It's the insiders. It's the disciples, not the non-disciple, but the disciples who get the clear teaching and understand what Jesus is saying. See, there are groups in Mark's gospel. And they are groups that are reversed according to what everyone else would normally say. Jesus uses this kind of terminology to explain it. He says, see, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He says at times that the greatest will be the least in the kingdom and the least will be the greatest. He says you have to lose your life to gain it. And then if you gain your life, you do it by losing it. See, Jesus is always trying to get us to think. And this reversal theme of what you think is real and what is truly real in the kingdom, they're so divergent from one another. And here's another instance. See, in Jesus' culture, his mother, brothers and sisters, his biological family, they would be the insiders. And everybody else, even his disciples, normally would be considered the outsiders. But in this case, Jesus reverses it. And he wants you to know that the outsiders are his family, biologically. And the insiders, they're someone else. They're a totally different group of people. They're people who have a different kind of connection to him. You have to read this text and ask yourself, don't you, who is Jesus' real mother? It's Mary, the mother of Jesus there, and he says, let me tell you, this is my mother. So the question is, who is it? You remember, now I'm dating myself. If you're older, you're going to get this. You remember the TV shows, What's My Line?, and to tell the truth. Remember that? They had these contestant shows on television. I, literally, I'm not lying to you. When it was black and white television, and then eventually became color. But they had these contestant shows. You'd go on there. They'd have three people, and they would be a certain type of work or occupation. And then the panel guests, they would ask them questions. And then, see, on the, especially the one to tell the truth, two of them were imposters, and one of them was the real person with that occupation. And the panel's job was to ask questions The people would answer them, and by the end, you'd have to figure out, and they would all vote. I believe contestant one, two, or three, that's the real person who does those things. And at the very end, it was always the same. They would have this, will the real so-and-so please stand up? And then all these three contestants, they'd go like this, and they would think like they're going to get up and stand up. And then finally, they'd sit down, and the one person would stand up, and everybody most of the time would be shocked. Because they really couldn't figure out by just asking those questions who that real person was. That's what's going on in our text. See, See, you got Jesus' mother, and then you got a group of people that Jesus calls his mother, and you're saying, hey, 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 will the real Jesus' mother stand up? And see, that's what our text is asking. Two types of mothers. Jesus says, see, there's a physical one and a spiritual one. Let me tell you the one that matters even the most. Will that one stand up? And so, see, Jesus brought our moms here today and all of us, truthfully, because he doesn't just say mothers. He says brothers and sisters. He wants you to realize and ask yourself the question this. See, which one of these kinds of mothers am I? See, what identifies me? And see, there's two groups, and we're going to identify them both. And while I'm talking, just for a few more minutes, would you think about this? Which one am I? Which one of these mothers, the outsider mother or the insider mother, that really really truthfully defines who I am as a mom. Outsider moms. Sitting at Jesus' feet, it's used in this passage, is a technical term, and it was one in the first century that everyone readily knew all about. It was about 
a description of Jesus' relationship as a rabbi with his disciples. If you sat at someone's feet, you were their disciple, you were being educated by them. Acts 22 and verse 3, Saul says, before he became a Christian, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was his rabbi. He was the most important rabbi of his day before Jesus. Saul says, Apostle Paul, that's who I was educated by. And throughout the Gospels, you have people who are wanting to be Jesus' disciple. The demoniac of Gadara, who had a legion of demons. When Jesus cast out the demons, it says he's clothed in his right mind. And here's what it says. And he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He went from being filled with demons to wanting to be a disciple of Jesus. Mary of Bethany, of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus fame in Scripture. Literally almost every time you see Mary in Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus hearing his word in Luke's gospel. In John chapter 12, toward the end of Jesus' life, she is at his feet, anointing his feet with oil and using her hair to wipe his feet. Every time you see Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because her greatest aspiration, her greatest desire was to be like Jesus. He was the number one relationship in her life. Mothers, closeness to Jesus is not based on physical proximity, but spiritual proximity. See, outsider moms stand outside at the door for a reason. Because although they know him, and even some may love him, they're not really close to him because the difference between an outsider one of them anyways between an outsider mom and an insider mom is the relationship what kind of relationship see a true spiritual relationship with jesus is never based on biology ancestry or ethnicity it's always based on discipleship see outsider moms hear me they want to come to jesus and take charge of him That's what outsider moms do. Insider moms are ones who are disciples primarily, and they know that their main goal in life is for Jesus to take charge of them. So the text says, if you look at it with me, it says, your mother, verse 32, and your brothers are outside. And here's why. They're seeking you. That verb all throughout Mark's gospel, literally exclusively, is almost always talking about people who are seeking Jesus for their own agenda. Let me give you examples. Mark 8:11, the Pharisees seek, were seeking Jesus because they wanted him to do a sign for them to prove he was really from God. Do a miracle for us, Jesus. Chapter 11 and verse 8, the chief priests and the scribes were seeking Jesus. You know why? It says they wanted to destroy him because they didn't he didn't fit into their agenda. Chapter 12 and verse 12, chapter 14 and verse 1, the religious leaders were seeking Jesus because they wanted to arrest him. Our same word, seize, as before. Chapter 14 and verse 55, they were seeking Jesus because they wanted to get false testimonies against him so they could try him in a court and have him crucified. You see, that's the types of moms there are. Two types of moms. And the difference between an insider mom and an outsider mom is this. Listen. The reasons why they seek Jesus. Outsider moms, like those in Mark's gospel, seek Jesus for their own agenda. Insiders' moms seek him for a completely different reason. See, outsider moms think they know what's best. 
they know even more than Jesus. They don't truly grasp, though, like Jesus' biological mom Mary did on that day, what his real mission was, what he was really trying to accomplish in this world. See, they didn't get what he was doing and what he was saying and why he was doing and saying it. it, it and the reason they didn't get it, because it didn't match up with their concerns. See, Mary wanted Jesus, like everybody else, to be a Messiah that would come in and stamp out the Romans and do all this. But see, all he was doing was teaching and he was doing miraculous things and helping people who were outsiders in social circles and status and so forth. See, she saw all that and she said, Jesus, see, you're up to the wrong thing. I got to tell you, this is what you should be doing. This is what you really should be concerned about. See, outsider moms, they don't understand. Oh, they know Jesus. But they don't understand his mission, not completely. They don't share the same level of concerns that he has. So let me say it th- this way. Outsider moms sometimes are more concerned about scholarship than discipleship. That means there are some parents and some moms who are more concerned about their kids getting an A in school, even for some if it means they get an F in God. See, biology trumps theology for them and for their children, and it shows by what they show up to. Outsider moms are more concerned, and I say more concerned, and I circled it, because it's not that they're not concerned about God. It's not that his mom wasn't concerned about Jesus or wanted the best for him. But they're more concerned at times their daughter's outer beauty is more important than their inner beauty. And so they focus on their looks and what they wear and the clothes they have and how popular they are and the prestige and the reputation. See, they're more concerned about those things than they are about the inner beauty, which 1 Peter 3 says is the most valuable and most precious thing about a woman. See, outsider moms are more concerned with getting their kids to sports practice than they are to getting them to youth ministry. I was at my niece's graduation yesterday morning in New York City. And they had all the graduates, you, you know this if you've been to one, they come down when they say their name to get their diploma, and some of them will get this accolade, cum laude, magna cum laude, and then summa cum laude. And you value education like I do. I have my a normal BA degree and my master's degree, and I even got so far as to work on my doctorate. So I highly value education. It has a great place. So I know those terms. They're Latin terms. Cum laude means with praise. And then you have magna cum laude means with great praise. And summa cum laude is the high. It means highest or greatest praise. And, and you know that the ones with the highest level are not very many, usually. And I thought to myself, as they walked down the aisle from King's College, which touts to be Christian and all of that, I wonder what grades they got with God. I know what they got in school, and they got praise. And it was on their diploma, and everybody saw it in the bulletin, and they had with praise. But I wonder if when they stood before God, would they get the same kind of praise? You know, it's possible to have an A in life and an F with God. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for a mom who, when I went to practice, took me to practice and all those things. But I never forget my mom telling me always, Lance, God first. God first. 
And see, and I'm thankful to be raised in a home that that mattered most. That I never had my parents tell me, oh, you can't go to that, or you can't go to that because you're too busy. I never had to stay home from church for homework. I never missed anything at church because of a game. You know why? Because my mom, thankfully, was on the same page as the master. And, and see, can I tell you this? That's what outsider moms miss. They don't have, can I say it, Jesus family values. Not because they don't have some of them, but what makes matters most to Jesus often is not what matters most to them. It's not that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter most, and it shows. See, moms, may I ask you, what are you seeking Jesus for? What are you calling on him for? Whose family values are shaping you as a mom? See, I looked it up this week, and this is why this message really helps. And it's very important because I looked up, there's a question all over the internet. Search it for yourself. It, the question is, who is the most influential person in your life? And can I tell you this? There's some of the, uh, here's some of the categories. Teachers, friends, coaches, community leaders. All these people had influence. But you know who the number one influence almost all the time? I mean, not even close. Moms. Everyone's asking that question, and by far the most popular answer, moms are the number one influencer in their children's lives. But you know, I also found there's a question that nobody's asking on the internet, and therefore they're not getting the answer. And you know what it is? Who's the most influential person in your mom's life? Because if you don't answer that, the other one may go askew, no? No. And it may be a teacher or a friend or a community leader or a coach, and that's all well and good. But if you're an insider mom, a spiritual mom, it should be Jesus. See, Jesus ought to be the most influential person in a Christian mom's life. Not even close to anything else in second or beyond. See, Jesus moms, insider moms, are most influenced by Jesus. Their relationship with him is the most important relationship. So they're not moms standing outside, they're moms sitting at his feet. That's what they're known for. See, outsider moms may model themselves after Carol Brady on the Brady Bunch or Claire Huxtable on the Cosby Show, but insider moms, they model themselves after Jesus. He is the number one aspiration. See, spiritual moms want to be like Jesus, number one. And you know what that also means? They also want that for their kids. More than a career, more than success, they want them to be like Jesus. Because that's what they want. Wait, let me ask you, well, so Pastor Walker, what would that look like? What would it look like? What would it be like in a mom's life, a spiritual mom, a Jesus mom's life, if she actually did that? And Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He fills it in for us. And he says, let me go from outsider moms to tell you about an insider mom in verses 33 through 35. So Jesus turns around when they tell him, hey, your mom, biological, physical, she's outside. She's calling for you. Jesus doesn't do the protocol. Oh, let me stop everything I'm doing and go talk to my mom. No, he doesn't do that. You know what he says? The Bible says he turns away from that and he looks at everybody else that's sitting around him. See, he's teaching them. These are people who want to follow him. These are people who want to be like him. And he asks this question, and it's for all of us today. Who are my mother and my brothers? See, it's to tell the truth, isn't it? He's going to tell you, my real mom, 
The real Jesus mom is going to stand up. Ready? She's about to stand up, but she's not outside. She's inside. Will the real Jesus mother stand up? And she does. This text, although you can't always see in the English, is broken down in two little formats. The word behold It's not translated very well in our text. Verse 32 says, And a crowd was sitting around them, and he said, and it doesn't even put it in there, it says, Behold, your mother and them are outside. So the first behold says, Hey, here's the text. Here's what he wants you to think. There's Jesus' physical mom. But the next one is in verse 34. And and Jesus says, Who are my mother and my brothers? He said, Here. And it says he's looking around the circle of everyone who's listening to his teaching. And the word here is the same word behold. He said the first behold was, here's my mom, family, but this is my mom. He Look right here. These are my moms. You see, get the point? Not this so much. This. And he wants us to tell us, see, my mom, my physical mom is great. At the cross, Jesus took care of her. He loved her. But there was even a more important kind of mom than her as great as she was. And that's the mothers who do what? Who do the will of God. See, Jesus gives a radical new definition. Maybe better, a new trait. See, here's what my family is like. Jesus came to create a new family filled with new kinds of moms and brothers and sisters. This is the family that Jesus says would be closest to him. And you know what marks them off? You know what their identifying trait is? Ready? Verse 35. For whoever does the will of God, they're marked by an obedience to what Jesus says, to what the Bible says. He is my brother, sister, and mother. Do you know this morning, ladies, you can be the mother of Jesus in a way that even Mary was not in some ways. See, his physical family at this time, they were doing their own will. They had ideas of what Jesus should be doing and what he should be doing for them. They were seeking him because they had an agenda. They wanted to control Jesus, and they wanted him to put his life and schedule and warp it around theirs. But see, Jesus says, my, my spiritual mom, my spiritual family, they do the opposite. Jesus' mothers and brothers and sisters are people who do the will of God. And I take that to mean from the text that they, these kind of mothers do the will of God like Jesus did the will of God. I mean, is he not the prime member of God's family? Is he not the son of God? Does he not model better than anyone else what it means to do the will of God? To see, these mothers get their model and example from him. And there is only one text, folks. There's only one other verse in all of Mark's gospel other than this one that talks about Jesus doing the will of God. You know what it is? It's when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 36. Jesus is praying to his father. And the Bible says that he says, Father, nothing is impossible for you. You can remove this cup from me. And then he says this, but not my will, your will be done. So what does it look like for moms whose greatest aspiration is to be like Jesus? A greatest mom whose relationship with her Lord is the center of her life. She will look like her Savior who does the will of God, hear me, no matter what it costs. 
It'll mean relinquishing control instead of trying to seize it from Jesus. It will mean not living in your own story, but his story. It will not be on your own mission that consumes you. It will be his mission that consumes you. It will not be living out what you want, but submitting to what he wants for you and your marriage and your children. See, that's it. And let me tell you this. They'll probably, if you do that like Jesus, think you're out of your mind too. That crazy mom. (laughs) That crazy mom always at church with her kids. Taking her up to things, picking all those kids up for vacation, Bible school. Crazy mom always making cookies, doing somebody's laundry, mowing their yard for them. I mean, she's always thinking about somebody else. She's always teaching her kids. So sacrificial. Not going on vacation so that she could send her kids on missions trips. She's unusual. You'd have to say, wouldn't you, that she's a different kind of mom. And she is. You know why? Because she's an insider mom. And insider moms are marked by a radical obedience to the will of God. Because it's the most important relationship they have in their lives. You see, Mark has presented us this morning. Jesus has presented us this morning with this. Two types of moms. Outsider moms. Insider moms. And the question he wants to ask is, which mom are you? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for our moms. But wouldn't it be glorious today, Master, if some outsider moms moved closer to becoming insider moms. Moms who love Jesus, but today realize they need to love him in a different way. Where he's part of their lives, he needs to become the center of their lives. Because it would affect what mattered most to them. It would affect perhaps their marriage. It would would impact how they're raising their kids and what their time and calendar is built around and their values, their priorities, their finances, their time, everything might change if moms changed. Father, I don't know who that is. I don't know all that they're facing, but you do. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word this morning and speak to our moms. Oh, that more than ever, more than ever, perhaps in our history as a nation, Do we need insider moms? Please, God, help at Faith Baptist Church. Can we have an army of them who are sold out and committed that Jesus will be number one in their home and in their lives? Help us that you in that might be glorified as you deserved because you alone are God. For it's in your matchless name we pray. Amen.